So that is one aspect which we see um, Soma opening the eyes of the Pratekas towards. The other aspect we see him opening his eyes towards which Raghupath brings out in the purport is the lion last time where he says that that will dissatisfy the super soul. Soma told the Pratekas that because they have tried to satisfy the super soul, now they should not displease him. So again, he is talking the principle of elephant bathing. We see that, you know, being mentioned in nature of instruction. In various scriptures, we see that being mentioned by Prabhupada. That an elephant, when it goes and bathes, elephants generally like to roll in mud to keep their skin, whatever, chamber, too cool and all that. So they like to roll in muddy places. And then they enter the water. We see in Gajendra pastime also. Gajendra had entered with his retinue of she elephants into the water and they had splashed water on each other and they were playing in the water. So like that elephants like to play in the water. So the elephant plays in the water, cleans itself in the water and then when it comes out it again goes and rolls in the mud. Rolls in the mud. So this is what is called elephant saving. You did an activity to purify yourself and then you are again doing the very thing which is going to make you unclean or impure. So again, that is, a, um, that is an aspect that Soma is telling the Tajikas about. He is saying that you all have these thousands of years of austerities. You all are underground, you are trying to satisfy the super soul. Such tapasya you all did by which the super soul actually got satisfied. And now you are coming and doing this activity which will completely dissatisfy the super soul. Because obviously you have to see the presence of the soul inside every living entity and these trees are also children of God. He is saying in the purpose that the soul is situated, super soul is situated in moving, non-moving things, trees, birds, animals, everything. So see the presence of that and do not dissatisfy the super soul after all these austerities that you have already performed to satisfy it. So we see he is opening their eyes to this disconnect which is there in this world as well. On one hand, you know, people are trying, with some many, many sects are trying to be God conscious, please the Lord, love another and all these things. But on the other hand, we see this disconnect where we do not recognize that there is a soul in other living beings also and we should be caring about those living beings also. So again, this disconnect is what comes out in this verse and we see Soma opening their eyes, the Prajeta's eyes see this disconnect. And then as the chapter further progresses, we see that he pleases them. He says, okay, you know, you all are angry, I want to pacify you all. And then he gives them an apsara called Pramlocha to get married. And with the Prachetas we get the great king Daksha from the womb of the of Pramlocha. And this, this title, chapter is entitled Mansakriya Prayers because the whole creation, you know, the secondary creation has started, where the world has to be populated now. So that particular section is going on in this part of the Bhagavatam. And then Daksha actually helps, he creates the demigods, humans, he creates lots of species. But then he is not very satisfied with what he has created. And therefore he takes sannyas. Can you imagine Daksha taking sannyas? But he does take sannyas, he goes and performs austerities to please the Lord. And that time he chants the Namsaduriya prayers. So that will form the remaining part of the chapter. And then we will see the Lord appearing in his uh, eight-handed form to give darshan to Daksha and to pacify his um, austerities and give the award, the benediction of his austerity. So coming back to this particular part where Soma is opening the eyes of the Prachetas to how they should not kill the trees unnecessarily because the presence of the super soul is there inside all the trees. Now we see, we see a lot of conversation about saving the environment, not cut trees. We see that a lot nowadays, especially in the 21st century. It's taught a lot in schools as well. I can see Sidhya nodding her head. So much they are taught about being environment conscious, reduce, reuse, recycle. So much of this is taught right from childhood. So there is awareness that yes, there is a problem. The environment is like going down the drain, climate change is happening and we need to do something about it. And that is what we see Soma addressing over here, the root cause of that. Because environment is actually nothing but the gift of God. It has been given to us. We call it as Mother Nature. Even in the Western world it is called as Mother Nature. And in the Veda, Vedas we know that Bhumi Devi or Mother Nature is one of the seven mothers of the world. So as, as the mother is selflessly giving to us, like a mother selflessly serves her child, in the same way mother earth is also selflessly serving all the living entities who are there without discrimination. She is giving, she is fulfilling the needs of human beings as well as every species that is there. Whether they live in the trees, in the forest, on land, in the water, she is satisfying the needs of everybody. 
and then in turn it is the duty of the children to protect this mother earth to protect the environment to protect this whole ecosystem and all other species are not hampering mother earth they are living in harmony with mother nature it is only us human beings like yesterday who was saying in the class that human being is the most dangerous species in this world so it is us who are actually harming this whole environment So I was listening to a class, and then it was said that you know we talk about this change that we want to see externally. You know how we need to be very aware of protecting the environment. We want to see the toxic environment um, go down. We want to see a change happening in the climate. So we see all these conversations, and the speaker was saying that for any external change to manifest, and it is good. The first thing we are saying is that it is good that there is awareness. because unless there is awareness and an understanding of the problem nobody will do anything about the problem so it is good that you know there is an awareness that we need to do something about it and there is some understanding at least on an external level what we should do to protect this environment but he was saying that no change externally will happen unless the toxicity of the heart is removed unless the change happens internally So in fact, there is a you know once in uh, Mr. Dean Sadhana Swami Maharaj was in an airport waiting for his next flight and he was chanting and when environmentalists happened to be there in the airport uh, waiting lounge and she came and challenged Sadhana Maharaj. She said that you know you all came to you know do you know so much preaching in the world and you know transforming people's lives and um, like living God consciousness and all but what are you doing about the environment to protect the environment? And that time, uh, Radha Maharaj showed this uh, report, like this environmentalist. That again, the same thing. He said that there is so much toxicity outside, and it is just a reflection of the toxicity which is inside people. So he said that by doing external measures, like environmentalists do these external measures of awareness, like tree protection drives. You see, all these measures being taken up by them, but they are not sustainable till there is an internal change that will happen. And that is what Radha Maharaj said. That I'm trying, like we as spiritualist teachers are trying to bring that internal change. We are trying to purify the hearts of people from inside, so that then they, with their purified hearts, with that awareness, what we see so much of people who touch us, that there is living, there is soul inside every living entity. The Lord is present inside everybody. Treat all of the living entities with respect. And treat all of them with compassion that they deserve. So unless that awareness is there inside, and the transformation of the heart has happened, that God consciousness awareness has happened, till that time people will not recognize the presence of God in other living entities, and they will feel that everything in this earth is there for my satisfying my need and my greed. And that is why you see this exploitation going on without any uh, curbing of this exploitation. So that is what Maharaj explained. So continuously he was saying that unless we are living in harmony with nature, unless we are realizing, recognizing the fact that there is the presence of God in all these uh, entities and all these trees, animals, and then unless we do something to protect them, we will not be able to bring about that change. And we see, like in, especially in our temple and in many small temples around the world, there is really good. Uh, responsibility as devotees that we are showing because the world is looking at us. Just as he was questioned in the airport by this environmentalist, the world's eyes are on us, and they are seeing whether, as the spiritual leaders of the society, we are living, we are walking our talk in terms of like living in harmony with nature. So we see like even our temple, especially we see the farm, the farm project that we have at the Hari Krishna Valley. Keshavram mentions many times in our classes how you know they are trying to live very simply. The huts and everything are made of you know cow dung and like naturally recycled products. How we can see Ajit Kumar Ji is working hard to create all these you know beautiful gardens and like provide provide sustainable products for the temple and for others to use. We have cows. Cows also were there. So we see that they are trying to protect cows or trying to protect the environment, trying to live in harmony with nature. And as devotees, uh, practicing devotees, we also try to ensure that little little things we are doing that. Now you know we talk about reducing the reusing recycling, and it all comes down to even simple things. For example, like not using toilet paper too much, but you know maybe using water instead, or not using paper plates, but trying to use more of steel plates. 
So these little little things will help as devotees here doing our bit for protecting the environment. In fact, I was reading up some statistics on um, this deforestation and telling and all that because that is a, a discussion which Soma is having with the Prachetas. And it was written in the National Geographic website that um, deforestation of herring of the trees has become a major concern, especially in this uh, 21st century. And not, it is affecting wildlife, not only the wildlife which this whole and all the forests are sustaining, but it is also affecting the entire ecosystem of the world. It is affecting weather pattern, it is also affecting migration patterns. Like on one uh, National Geographic show, they were showing that because of mass deforestation happening in many parts of the world, there are so many birds who would migrate from one place to the other, you know, depending on the seasons, and that whole migration pattern is changing now. Because they don't have the trees to go to, they don't have that environment which they were using, their habitat is being destroyed by us. So they were saying that um, even the climate change that we are seeing, the global warming that is happening, is also because of this mass deforestation or felling of trees that is happening today. So forests cover, it said in the statistics there on the National Geographic website, that forests cover 30% of the Earth's surface. But at an alarming rate, this is depleting. In fact, since 1990, it was written that the world has lost 420 million hectares or a billion acres of forest. It has already lost to deforestation. In fact, 17% of the Amazonian rainforest has been destroyed, you are saying. And why does this deforestation happen? It is happening because obviously they want to create land for agriculture, but also land for creating, like for timber, for also creating a dwelling for human beings want to, you know, they cut down forests to create between skyscrapers. So Prabhupada always used to say, Prabhupada used to say that by creating these big factories and all, they are not going to sustain us in the end. It is these forests, plants, fruits, vegetables, that is what will sustain. It's Mother Nature which will sustain us in the end. And therefore if we see, because of this deforestation, land depleting, resources not being available so much in, you know, uh, on the earth nowadays, we see that the prices of uh, uh, technology, you know, the technological advancement for which all these things are happening, we see the price of technology reducing day by day. Like an MP3 player, we used to have MP3 players in the past, it would cost 100 dollars and now there is no separate MP3 player if everything is there in the phone. Or a USB stick, I remember a USB stick many years ago used to be so expensive. Now if you go to, uh, like, you know, to office shops and all, you might get a USB stick for 2-3 dollars or so sometimes. So we see the price of technology is reducing, but the price of groceries, commodities, like eatables, things and vegetables are going up and up. And that is because of all these ecosystems that are being destroyed by human beings. So in, in fact, it is said that the 80% of the planet's terrestrial species, the species which live on land and which live in forests, because of deforestations, these species are under severe threat of extinction. 80% of the species depend on these forests. So, you know, some of these statistics help us understand why it is so important to preserve these trees, to preserve these forests. In fact, Prabhupada used to say again that so many millions of trees are being cut just to create paper, which obviously is being used as toilet paper, but also to create literature which is completely useless, of no value to the world. You know, literature which promotes the you know, four uh, illicit activities in the world. We see most of the literature are either promoting the success or they are promoting like you know showing some half-naked women on their magazine covers and also most of the literature is promoting activities which actually the human beings should not be engaged in. And Prabhupada said that is that is a useless waste and unnecessary cutting down of trees for that. And it is there one day karma. For cutting down trees for unnecessary reasons, you get karma for cutting down those trees. But Prabhupada says that the same trees are used for you know, printing, like in the olden days also they used to write on palm leaves, or they are used for printing God conscious literatures, then we are actually benefiting that soul which is there in the tree. Because that particular tree's bark and the paper which came from it has been used in the service of the Lord. So that tree gets eternal benefit, it will get you know, a birth there, 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 and it will be able to actually then perfect the goal of their existence. So Prabhupada was also very insistent about this part that you know print literatures, use cut down trees, but use them for printing literatures which should create God consciousness 
So it will help the world, but it will also help the tree in return. So these are some of the aspects which come out from today's works about deforestation, about seeing the super soul in every living entity and therefore not destroying any living entity or causing destruction or animal killing, like not causing destruction of any living entity because they are all children of God. And after doing, you know, some religions, after doing promoting love of God and love of God so much and doing that and then going and unnecessarily killing animals and not looking after the environment is something like an elephant saving. It's not going to be of any use. And therefore, you will be talking such a little bit about the deforestation and what, what, how the external change can happen only when internal purification happens. And as devotees, how we can show to the world, we can be a shining example to the world how we live in harmony with nature and we have sustainable practices in our temples and our farms. Today is also the disappearance day of uh, Ishwara Kuri, so we spend the next few minutes speaking about his life. So Ishwara Kuri is an exalted Vaishnava who comes in our Gaudiya Vaishnava lineage. He was actually none other than the spiritual master of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, the Supreme Lord himself who came with Kaliva to uh, propagate the holy names of uh, 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 Lord Krishna, the Hare Krishna Mahananda. So, Krishnadar Sarikar Goswami in Chaitanya Charitamrita, Adi Lila, 9.10 and 11, he says that the first sprout of the desire tree of devotion, of you know, pure love for God, manifested in Madhavendra Puri. And then it developed into a sapling in Ishwara Puri, and then in Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, that sapling actually became the trunk of an enormous tree, which then spread its branches throughout the world. So Madhavendra Puri was the Parama Guru of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. He was the Guru of Ishwar Puri. And he is the link between um, the Madhava Sampradaya and the Gaudiya Sampradaya. He was that link between the two Sampradayas. So he was a sprout. Like he actually started showing. He showed, um, we will go a bit uh, into detail about this life as well. But he started that sprout of pure love for Radha and Krishna, which was then further you know, developed by Ishwar Puri and then obviously Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was the front of that whole tree of Bhakti devotion. So Ishwar Puri was born in Kumarhatta, in a place called Kumarhatta, which is in uh, Navadi, on a full moon day on the month of Jeshtha. And he was born in a family of Brahmins, exalted Brahmins he was born in. So Kumarhatta is also famous. Like when we go for Yatra to Mayapur, sometimes we visit Kumarhatta. So it is famous for two reasons. It is the birthplace of Ishwara Puri, but it was also the place where Shiva, Sakur and all his friends took residence after Chaitanya Mahaprabhu with Sanyas. So they were all very devastated, especially Shiva, Sakur. He could not bear to live in Mayapur, in Navadri, because too many memories of their, over there of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. As a Brahastha with long flowing hair, performing Harinam on the streets of Navadri, performing Harinam in Shiva Sangat. So all those memories were there in their hearts and they were not able to bear living in that particular place. So once Chaitanya Mahaprabhu took Sanyas, Shiva Satur and his family moved to Kumar Kata as well, which is the birthplace of Madhavendra Puri. Sorry, which is the birthplace of Ishwara Puri. So Ishwara Puri's birthplace is also uh, very popularly known in that area as Chaitanya Doba. So Chaitanya is Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and Doba means like a pond of water or a pool of water. So it is said that when Chaitanya Mahaprabhu on his way to Jagannath Puri, he visited the birthplace of his spiritual master and he actually went and took some earth from the place in Kumarhatta, the exact place where Ishwara Puri was born. He took some earth from that place and he tied it in his uh, cloth, in his Uttariya and he tied it over there and he would eat that dirt every day just in honor of you know, the dust which had touched his uh, spiritual master's lotus feet. And following his footsteps, many pilgrims, thousands of pilgrims over the years who have been visiting Kumarahata have also been taking that dirt from that particular place to honor it and to eat it and to distribute to others. And because of thousands of pilgrims taking that dirt, it has created like a pit, like a little pond which has filled with water and therefore it is also called as Chaitanya Yoga now. So Ishwara Puri took initiation from Madhavendra Puri and he is the embodiment of devotional love. So Madhavendra Puri was very pleased with Ishwara Puri's selfless, guileless and uh, exalted services, very menial services that he used to offer to Madhavendra Puri. In fact, it is described as a very beautiful pastime which shows how a disciple should selflessly serve the Guru and to attract the blessings of the Guru in turn. 
So when Madhavendra Puri was about to leave this world in his old age, he had become very incapacitated. Like he was not able to even answer the call of nature. He had become so old, so he was almost bedridden. He was not able to do the uh, basic activities which you know we all do. And it is described that Ishvara Puri was very very nicely serving his spiritual master. Without any complaints, he would clean the stool and urine of his spiritual master. He would create a very nice environment for his spiritual master, which was conducive for his guru to then remember Krishna. So he would throughout the day chant the Hare Krishna Mahamantra around him, chant devotional songs, bhajans of the Acharyas. He would do all that and he would also do these email services for his guru. And on the other hand, Madhavendra Puri also had one more disciple. He had many disciples, but one more disciple was Ramachandra Puri, who was a very learned scholar. He was also actually an exalted devotee, but because he was a learned scholar, he had a lot of affiliation and attraction to dry philosophy and all that. So he used to associate more with those kind of people who were, you know, sort of edging on the brink of Mayavada and, you know, talking about philosophical aspects of Bhakti uh, 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 rather than the devotional aspects of Bhakti. So because of that, when he was around his spiritual master, now during his last days, like he said, Madhavendra Puri Puri is the connection between Madhava Sampradaya and the Gaudiya Sampradaya. Because Madhava Sampradaya, which is, you know, the lineage coming from Madhava Charya, they say they believe in Dvaita. And that Sampradaya is more, you know, into all reverence, worship in the mood of all reverence of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. But Madhavendra Puri was manifesting the bhava of Vipralambha during his final days, when he was about to wind up his pastimes. So on this day, he was crying out, you know, in separation of Radha and Krishna, he was crying out loudly their names. And Ramachandra Puri, not understanding his spiritual master's mood, he tried to come, he came, come and tell his spiritual master that, Oh Gurudev, why are you unnecessarily lamenting like this? Why don't you just become peaceful and remember Brahma and become peaceful? Just become calm. There is no need to lament like this in your last days. And Madhavendra Puri became very upset. Because Ramachandra Puri did not understand the innermost hearts, uh, feelings and emotions of Madhavendra Puri. So he actually drove him out from there. He said, you just go out of my sight. I don't want even want to see your face because you are putting dhang in my devotion. You are putting an obstacle in the devotional ecstasies that I am experiencing. So he actually drove him out. But on the other hand, we see Ishwara Puri. He was actually trying to, you know, fan that particular emotion which is Guru Maharaj was feeling by continuously chanting devotional songs and chanting devotional hymns about Radha and Krishna. So because of those menial services that Ishwara Puri did to Madhavendra Puri, uh, Madhavendra Puri profusely blessed Ishwara Puri. So it is said sometimes, you know, devotees try to demand blessings from, uh, you know, exalted Vaishnava, give me your blessings, give me your blessings. In fact, there was a nice pastime uh, of Prabhupada that was reading. Traveling by a train, and one person kept following Shila Prabhupada. He saw he was a sannyasi, he was a saint. So he kept following Shila Prabhupada and he kept telling, Give me your blessings, Swami, give me your blessings. Like that, he was continuously trying to touch Prabhupada's feet and he was sort of pestering him. So finally, Prabhupada came and sat down in his compartment, and this person was not going away. So Prabhupada said that, Okay, I give you the blessings that may or may not like me finish. And then this person got very scared. He said, no, 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 I don't want that type of blessing. And Prabhupada said, that is the only blessing I have to give you. I don't have any other blessings to give you. <laughs> so, you know, and obviously that was actually the best blessing somebody could have received. Where, you know, from Prabhupada's mouth you receive a blessing saying that may your material life be finished. What more do we want? You know, especially speaking of me, we are all so entrenched in our materialistic desires and Ramasa life. We are so entrenched in so many um, normal activities you know, which take an attraction and attention away from Krishna. So to receive such blessings was a boon, but that person did not recognize it. So it is said that generally by our service attitude, we attract the blessings of great personalities. Not that we go and demand blessings from them without serving them. And that is exactly what we see in Ishwara Puri's uh, example. He served his spiritual master so nicely that he got profuse blessings from his spiritual master. And he told him, may you have so much love for Krishna in your heart. So those are the blessings he received. And on the other hand, Ramachandra Puri, because he offended his spiritual master, he lost whatever spiritual potency he had or spiritual attraction that he had with the Lord and he became an offender of the Vaishnavas. 
and later on in the Chaitanya Chaitanya Pasan, he said how Ramachandra Puri would you know, find faults in every Vaishnava. He would not even say Chaitanya Mahaprabhu by finding faults. He would invite, for example, once he had invited Jagadananda Pandit for Prashadam. And then he was forcing him to eat. And Jagadananda Pandit said, No, I am really full, I can't eat anymore. And he said, No, 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 you have to eat, you have to eat. And Jagadananda Pandit thought, Okay, to satisfy me, I will eat a bit more. And as soon as he eat a bit more, see how you overeat. Yala, you know, Yala just here to uh, fill your bellies. All the Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's followers are just here to fill your bellies because he also does that. So we see how he has become an offender to Vaishnavas because he had lost the blessings and, and the mercy of his Guru Maharaj because of his offense to his Guru Maharaj. So that is, that is the exalted position of Ishwara Puri. And no, there is no wonder that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu chose such an exalted person to be his um, Guru Maharaj. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu uh, actually took, obviously he is the supreme personality of God and he has no need of a guru. But just as Lord Ram, Lord Krishna, everybody set an example when they came in this world for the others to follow that you need a guru to progress in your spiritual life. And that is what Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was doing. So as for the first time, he actually met, uh, sorry, he took initiation from Ishwara Puri in Gaya, but that was not the first time he met Ishwara Puri. So Ishwara Puri, after his spiritual master passed away, he used to go around, like, travel all over India, preaching about God consciousness. And as part of his travels, he had actually come to Navadri as well. Now when he came to Navadri, he came as a very simple sadhu, he came to Navadri. Almost somebody could, you know, just take him as a beggar, who was just there to beg some arms. And he stayed in the house of Gopina Kacharya. And before he stayed in his house as a guest, he actually visited Advaita Acharya. And at that time, Advaita Acharya was worshipping his uh, Shalimar Shila, he was worshipping his deities. And Ishwara Puri, just from a distance, he was seeing, those, uh, seeing that worship. And Advaita Acharya kept glancing back. And he thought that this is no ordinary sadhu, this is an exalted Vaishnava. But at that time, Advaita Acharya could not recognize him. And he kept asking him also, and Ishwara Puri kept telling him, No, no, I am no exalted Vaishnava, I am just a Lokanatha Shudra who is just traveling and who was happy to be here. And then Advaita Acharya and some other devotees who were present there, he got started some kirtan and you know singing like beautiful songs of uh, uh, the Lord. And as soon as those songs were, they started singing, they started doing that kirtan, Ishwara Puri went into ecstasy. And tears started flowing from his eyes and he could not stop showing those ecstatic symptoms that she had developed. And then Advaita Acharya and the devotees recognized that, oh, this is none other than Ishwara Puri, the great disciple of Madhavendra Puri, and they embraced each other. So that is the grand welcome. Ishwara Puri was given by Advaita Acharya at that time. So Ishwara Puri stayed in Navadri for some time in the house of Gopinath Acharya. And once even Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, when he saw Ishwara Puri, there was mutual attraction. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu felt so much love when he saw this great personality. And in the same way that Ishwara Puri saw Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, but that time Chaitanya Mahaprabhu had not manifested his pastime as you know the Lord who had come to propagate the holy name. He was still enacting his pastime of Nimai Pandit, the grammarly scholar. Those were the pastimes, but still he felt so much attraction for Ishwara Puri. And Ishwara Puri also, when he saw this boy, young boy, he was he was attracted even to the bodily features of this young boy, and he said, This is some exalted personality. Why am I feeling so much attraction in my heart to him? So when Chaitanya Mahaprabhu saw him, he invited him for prasad at his house. And he then made Sachi Mataku very nice delicacies and with his own hand, he served Ishwara Puri very lovingly prasad at his house. And during that time in Navadri, Ishwara Puri also met Gadadhar Pandit. And Ishwara Puri was so attracted to Gadadhar Pandit's simplicity. We know Gadadhar Pandit was a very simple brahmachari. So he was very attracted to his simple devotion, his depth of renunciation. He was very attracted to all that. And because of that, very lovingly and affectionately, he would call him to Gopinath Acharya's house every day and he would teach him a book called uh, Krishna Lila Mrita, which he was writing at that time. And he started teaching him that book uh, very affectionately and then once Chaitanya Mahaprabhu also, Nimai Pandit happened to visit over there. And Ishwara Puri, knowing that Nimai Pandit was a great scholar at that time, he had his own grammar school and all, he actually requested him. He said, can you please go through this manuscript? I have just written this book. Can you please go through it and tell me if there are mistakes, any mistakes that I have made in this book? So, 
you know, when he gave that book to Nimai uh, Pandit, even though Chaitanya Mahaprabhu had not manifested his pastime as a you know devotee, incarnation of the Lord, still he could recognize this exalted position of Ishwara Puri. And he actually told him. So I'll, I'll quote one line in what Chaitanya Mahaprabhu told uh, Ishwara Puri. He said that anyone who finds any fault with devotee's description of Krishna is actually a sinner. If a devotee writes a poem, no matter how poorly he has written it, it will certainly show his love for Krishna. If anyone sees a fault in this, the fault is not in the writing, but the fault is in that person's heart. Because Krishna is pleased with anything a pure devotee says. You to describe the Lord with words of love. What arrogant person would dare to criticize anything that you have written? So saying that, Chaitanya very humbly gave the manuscript back. He said, no, I cannot edit this manuscript and there will be no faults in it at all. Because Krishna accepts anything which is written by a devotee, no matter how many mistakes are might be there. He is accepting the bhava, the love of the devotee's words and not the grammar of the devotee's uh, writing. And we see a similar verse in Bhagavatam as well, which Prabhupada used to quote very often about his own writings. In the first canto, fifth chapter, eleventh uh, verse, you see a uh, very famous verse. It says, "Tadva kusadho janata kaviklavo yasthin kati shoka mabhata vaatiyati namani antasya yasho anki anki kaniyat shrinvanti gayani vrinvanti sadhava." So it says that any literature which has been composed by exalted devotees, no matter it might have some grammatical errors or it might have some mistakes and it might need some editing and proofreading. But still, however imperfectly it might be composed, it is still sung, it is still accepted, sung and honored by exalted Vaishnavas. And Prabhupada used to often quote this verse. He used to say that I am no scholar in the English language. But my spiritual master has given me this duty that if you get money, you print books. And they go on writing all these books and we are printing all these books. But in no way am I claiming that I am a scholar. Neither am I a Sanskrit scholar, nor am I a scholar in the English language. But I am just doing this to please my spiritual master and to please Lord Krishna. And we see that Krishna, you know, Prabhupada himself used to say, Krishna used to come and meditate to him when he used to sit and write his books. So we see how much this effort of Prabhupada's writing of books was acceptable to Krishna. How much Krishna loved that effort. And we say, therefore, millions of books of Prabhupada being accepted all over the world, right? by people all over the world. So, this, this verse, we see Chaitanya Mahaprabhu also say, Krishna, that who can find fault in a devotee's writing? And Krishna doesn't find that fault. And Krishna is so happy with that person's writing. So, this meeting happened and then obviously, you know, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu later on, after he lost his father, he went to Gaya to offer Shraad or Pinda to his father. And it is described that that is the first time Chaitanya Mahaprabhu manifested his uh, Leela of you know the, the prema or the devotion that he had come to display for Radha and Krishna. That's the first time prema of the emotions he manifested. So he went to visit the temple of the lotus feet of Lord Vishnu. In Gaya, that temple is there. And when he entered that temple, he felt a great ecstasy in his heart. Because he saw that, that you know the lotus feet of Lord Vishnu, very beautiful ambience was there. Like, you know, there were nice gardens which had been kept around the lotus feet. The whole uh, altar was decorated very nicely with flowers. There was incense, lamps, and there were Brahmins chanting the glories of the lotus feet of Lord Vishnu. And in those glories, they were saying that these lotus feet are actually the goal of so many uh, spiritualists, sadhana. They all want that lotus feet in their hearts. Even Ananta Sesh holds these lotus feet so dear to them. Even Lakshmi Devi massages these lotus feet. Afternoon behind her, the entire world runs for Lakshmi. So these exalted lotus feet, the way you know, the Brahmins were singing and glorifying, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu could not stop himself. He felt great surge of emotion that Prema Bhakti was started manifesting in his heart. And his you know, tears started flowing from his eyes, like Ganga and Jamuna tears were flowing from his eyes, continuously. And while this was happening, no other other than Ishwar Puri entered that temple. And as soon as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu saw Ishwara Puri, they both embraced each other. And they wet each other's bodies with their tears of affection for each other. And then Chaitanya Mahaprabhu very humbly bowing down to Ishwara Puri. He said that now the purpose of my pilgrimage has been fulfilled. 
people come to Gaya to offer this Sindhadam or Shad to one departed, you know, ancestor of yours. But just by taking darshan of exalted devotees like you, millions of ancestors are delivered of people. And for me, the purpose of my pilgrimage is now something I've attained the goal of my pilgrimage just by taking your darshan. And Ishwarapuri also, he said that I have always been very attracted to you. Since I used to see you as a boy in Navadvika, I have always felt this attraction for you. And I feel the same love when I see you, which I feel for Lord Krishna when I see this baby. So I have come to understand that you are none other than the Supreme Personality of God and Krishna. And I know you have come on this earth to you know, enact some leelas. And you know, any way I can serve you, it will be a great privilege for me. So that time Chaitanya Mahaprabhu surrendered himself to Ishwara Puri. And he said that I surrender my life, my body, everything to you. You please accept me as your disciple. And you know, when Ishwara Puri was, when Chaitanya Mahaprabhu went back after this meeting, he went back to his home. And Ishwara Puri just went to meet Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Because he just could not stop or contain that uh, attraction which he used to keep feeling for Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and this desire to be in his association. So that time Chaitanya Mahaprabhu had just finished cooking. So in Gaya, it was said Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was living in a small place where he used to cook with his own hands. And he used to offer it to the deity and then he used to eat the remnants, the prasad. So he had just finished cooking and he had offered a bhoga and that time Ishwara Puri arrived. And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu immediately invited him inside his house and he said, you please eat lunch with, uh, with me today. And Ishwara Puri said, no, no, you have cooked only for one person. I cannot honor this prasad. And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said, no, there is enough, you please eat. Like he insisted for Ishwara Puri to sit and eat. And lovingly with his own hands, he served his Guru Prasad. And Prabhupada writes over there, and Acharya says, right, that what a way, like he is a Supreme Lord, he has cooked with his own hands and he is serving his Guru with his own hands. So over there, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was just setting an example how one can serve their Guru and how one can um, seek the mercy of their Guru by his service, which he ever you know, feeling such like Prashadam, Ishwar Puri. So then Chaitanya Mahaprabhu visited Ishwar Puri during his stay in Gaya and he told him that my, my heart is becoming very restless. I am feeling very um, uneasy in my heart now because I want to surrender to your lotus feet. So you please give me initiation. Like he kept requesting to Ishwara Puri. And Ishwara Puri told him, he said that I know you are the Supreme Personality of Godhead. How can I be an instructing guru? How can I be a guru to, a, to, to the Supreme Lord? But if that is how you desire for me to serve you, then I will serve you in that way, my Lord. So then Ishwara Puri gave him the 10 syllable mantra. And it is later on, uh, Krishnada Sarita Joswami describes in the Chaitanya Charitamrita that he also gave him the Hare Krishna Mahamantra after that. And he also asked him to meditate on the words Hare Nama, Hare Nama, Hare Nama, Hare Nama, Naseva, 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 Dati Hara So he asked him to meditate on that mantra as well and on that shloka as well and he gave him the Hare Krishna Mahamantra along with the 10 syllable mantra. So after he gave him initiation, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu started chanting from the next day, the Hare Krishna Mahamantra. And whenever he was chanting the Hare Krishna Mahamantra, he was becoming mad with ecstasy. He could not control his emotions. He was like tears were just incessantly flowing from his eyes. He was rolling on the ground, hairs were standing on him. All his limbs were becoming stunned. So he thought, what is this happening to me? So he went back to his guru. And he told Ishwara Puri that, what is happening to me? What is this mantra that you have given me? That I'm seeing these changes happening in me and I'm almost behaving like a madman. And Ishwara Puri embraced him and he said, My dear child, you have attained the perfection this mantra is supposed to give to people. After years of practice, you know, people don't reach this stage, but you have attained the perfection of this mantra. So continue chanting this mantra and now, Take this mantra to the whole world and spread it in the whole world. So it is said in Chaitanya Chaitanya that only after Chaitanya Mahaprabhu received this order from his Guru Maharaj did he start spreading the Hare Krishna Mahamantra throughout Bharat Bhumi. Before that, he had just maybe a little bit preached to Tapan Mishra. Before he came to Gayani, he had preached to Tapan Mishra. But apart from that, he started this whole teaching movement and spreading of the Hare Krishna Mahamantra only after he got that order from his spiritual master, Ishwara 
So um, before, um, yes. So before Ishwar Puri left this world, because it is his disappearance day, there is not so much known about his disappearance past time. But it is described that before he left this world, he actually was very attracted. Like he also associated with Lord Nityananda because Lord Nityananda was also a disciple of Madhavendra Bhutri, so they were God brothers. And he knew, he had seen his Guru Maharaj's uh, interactions with Lord Nityananda. He had seen how Lord Nityananda um, and Guru Maharaj, like his Guru Maharaj was so uh, respectful of Lord Nityananda and he had so much love for Lord Nityananda. So it is also described in the Chaitanya Chiritamrita how much he had love for Lord Nityananda as well, not only Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So both, you know, exalted personalities, Chaitanya and Lord Nityananda, they took initiation from these two exalted Vaishnavas, Madhavendra Puri and Ishwara Puri, who are actually the link, like I said, between the Madhava Sampradaya and Gaudiya Sampradaya. And before Ishwara Puri departed from this world, he actually told two of his disciples, very dear disciples of his, Tashishwar Pandit and Govinda, to go and serve Chaitanya Mahaprabhu till the end of their lives. And we see there are so many pastimes here about Tashishwar Pandit's servant, and Govinda became the personal servant of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So it is also said Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was very embarrassed to accept these, his godfathers, because they were his godfathers, Tashishwar Pandit and Govinda. He was very embarrassed to accept any service from his godfathers. But just because he wanted to obey the instructions of his Guru Maharaj and it was his Guru Maharaj's desire that they serve him, he accepted them in his service. And there are so many pastimes of, you know, especially Govinda being the person servant of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, how selflessly he served Chaitanya Mahaprabhu till the end of his life. So these are some pastimes of uh, Ishwar Puri. We left the class here um, and we welcome any comments, corrections or any questions in the room. Are any additions? Yes, I have. Here, our project has developed in three lines of the Supreme Lord. And all that, they're still acting in a way that the family is not quite uh, in line. So, in a way, we hear in the Bhagavad Gita where Krishna says that by knowing, by, by knowing this knowledge, everything becomes known, everything that one is known, that phenomenal is known. So, in this case, Prashad does like, is there not know that, that what they should not do? Or is it like similar to how I should not do? Okay, fast time. One of the things like which I, I was reading when I was reading this fast time was, that the Prachetans are performing austerities underwater. Now, same way we see the Shobara movie. So, they, they perform austerities to please the super soul. They realize the super soul when they were performing their austerities. But there was no one to instruct them. And you know, there was no association of devotees that they were taking when they were underwater. This is again my understanding. They were not like the Shobara movie also, also. He was an exalted person, exalted uh, spiritualist, transcendentalist. But because he was performing his austerities alone underwater, even those two fish, now we see so many times, you know, insects or birds or such things copulating, but when we saw those two fish were coming together, it agitated the senses. And in the same way, we see in the example of Bharat Maharaj as well. So he did his austerities alone. He was, you know, an exalted son of Lord Vishabdev. And he ruled the kingdom so nicely for many years, exalted devotee as well. But during the end of his life, when he retired to the forest, he was alone. Like once his holiness, Ramai Maharaj was in the class here in Melbourne Temple. And he was also saying that because he did not keep himself in the association of devotees, there was no one to check him or no one to, you know, remind him that don't get too much attached to the behavior, your attachment is increasing. Like, you know how devotees keep each other in check. We, we inspire each other, we also remind each other to, to keep, to, like, you know, keep being on track of Krishna consciousness. So with Prachetas, I, I might uh, understand is that they also went with the same syndrome. They were alone performing austerities underwater and there was no one who had instructed them about this particular science or this aspect of devotional service. And therefore, when they came out, there was a disconnect between their austerity and their, between their actions underwater and between the actions which they were doing outside the water. So that disconnect was all taught, you know, Soma had to come and show them the connection. 
energy that we worship the super soul, but now you are dissatisfied by this activity of yours. So sometimes we need some devotees or somebody to come and remind us what is the true goal of life and how do we see uh, the presence of the Lord everywhere and not just you know that idea of serenity and it's not an isolation that we worship the Supreme God, but we worship him in harmony, like seeing him everywhere. So that is my understanding, but I'm even to focus on the Shrimpa. Yes, you mentioned so much about forest and not not approving that forests of trees are being cut down. In another place in Bhagavatam it's mentioned how fruit bearing trees should not be cut, but then these other trees they are allowed to be cut because we do need firewood and houses are made from wood as well in Australia. You can see sometimes it's half made and it's all wood. So it is allowed to cut them down, but then I guess in this case, angrily they were burning them, so that was not good. Yes, so when we talk about deforestation, like we said that we need a very strong leader, like there was no king at that time, like the Pachetas are doing the austerities and the water, and therefore the earth had just manifested for it. There was no king to keep a system in place. Then the same way, you know, we need the government to keep this proper system in place, and if that government is not God conscious, we will see what is happening today. Yeah, we are seeing. Yeah, we are seeing. We are seeing that these are being cut down unnecessarily. So, jiva Obviously, we, we we sustain on all these, you know, the facilities which Mother Nature has given us. So, the trees are really furniture, for example, like basic furniture to build house. We need to build houses to burn fire, to create heat, to cook. So, we do need for you know to print literature, spiritual literature. So, we do need to. Build Cut down trees, but it has to be done in a proper systematic way, keeping God consciousness at the core, at the center, as a shared value. Otherwise, we will see what is happening today. Where unnecessary trees are cut down for the just the greed and the needs, unnecessary needs of people. So yes, we are right, Mandir. We are allowed to cut down but for the right purposes. Yes, Very good question. So the question is that you know we, we said in the class that it doesn't matter about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu told each other that it doesn't matter about how imperfectly it might be composed, but the bhava is accepted by the Lord, then why do we have these exams? And why are they marked? So um, for us to be able to progress on the path of Krishna consciousness and to gain an understanding of what Prabhupada came to give us. So, Prabhupada says that we have to have these devotional service, it's a science, and we have to have a good combination of, it's not just merely sentiment, we have to have a good combination of philosophy backed by, uh, uh, sentiment backed by philosophy. So if we are not studying Prabhupada's books very deeply, especially Leelamrita, because Leelamrita is the life story of Srila Prabhupada, and unless we realize his exalted position, like we might come and do Guru Puja, we might worship him, like we see so many people worshipping their gurus without any understanding of their position. I remember in our temple only two years ago I was distributing books and um, you know my, my family had come for Yajna and after the Yajna I was trying to read them the Bhagavad Gita and I was trying to tell them how Prabhupada has written and then she said, no, no, we know all this, we also have a guru. And then I asked her, really, who is your guru? So she turned to her mother and said, Mama, who is our guru? So you see, people have the sentiment, I have a guru, and they might keep a picture on the wall, but they don't have an understanding of the guru tattva. So for us as, you know, decide, devotees in the Krishna consciousness movement, especially under the banner of this one, which Prabhupada has created, we all need to be very well, um, very well versed with Prabhupada's position. And that position can be understood only through deep study of the Leelamrita. So if we are not studying the Leelamrita deeply, and Trust me, like we have been in Keshav, your mother and father also are in Keshav, the sources where we studied the Bhagavatam and now we started the Chaitanya Charitamrita. Unless exams are held, we will not be forced to do a deep study of the scripture. Then we might just read it as a story book and we might forget. So that is why these exams are very important so that we do a deeper study of the scripture and we are able to then share our realizations in the Bhagavatam. That is why they are there. 
And I'm sure that the exam there will not be grammatical errors. If we have, as long as we have produced the, reproduced the right mood which Prabhupada, you know, is there in the Nilamrita and Prabhupada showed, then you know, we'll be fine in the exam. Thank you very much. Hare Krishna. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you very much.